Welcome to Voices Amped. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ellie Clark. And I'm Vanessa Becker-Weig, and we are your hosts. Voices Amped is a place for us to share space and lift the voices of artists, activists, community leaders, and organizers, all of whom have inspired us and our work. For any Ampers who aren't familiar with our work, we are Voices Amplified, formerly known as The Girl Project. You can learn more about our arts advocacy work or support us by going to VoicesAmplified.net. Thanks for listening. And remember, be curious, be courageous, take up space, and make some noise. Today on Voices Amplified, we are celebrating our fearless leader, Vanessa Becker-Weig's 50th birthday. Happy birthday, Vanessa. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) what do you want for your birthday oh so many things (laughs) but something I've been thinking about for several months now when reflecting on this milestone birthday I thought what a better way to celebrate than to gather some of my fabulous friends to talk about girl stuff and maybe shed some light for others about our aging journey (laughs) the good the bad and all the rest. Mm. So I reached out to the Voices Amped leadership team and my two longtime friends, Abby Lawson and Carmen Keels, to chat about claiming our power, sex after 30, and 40, <clears throat> and 50. So please be aware that the content is explicit. So um, parental guidance is suggested. We talk about the big change, ageism, and a few other challenging topics. And like all of our episodes, Abby reads a personal poem about her life story. Jenny reads an inspirational poem and Carmen shares her musical gifts, dedicating a song to me for my birthday. As you can imagine, we laughed a lot, but Vanessa... If any listeners out there wanted to help you celebrate your birthday, besides listening to this lovely podcast, how could they do that? How can they help you celebrate? Well, all I really want for my birthday is to keep making change, keep celebrating and lifting the voices of awesome people and keep bringing people together. So if anyone out there wants to help me do that, I ask that you donate to Voices Amplified. Now, like most of you, I can't contribute any major gifts right now, but I certainly could find a way to give a few dollars monthly. So my goal is to find 100 people who will give $5 a month to our organization to help us sustain our work. If we've learned anything, it's that a whole bunch of people making contributions, no matter how big or small, adds up. And Fractured Atlas allows us to collect monthly donations. We would rather have more folks involved in giving to us than to try to target a few individuals to give big. It absolutely represents our community better. And I know I could give $5 a month. So if you want to help Vanessa celebrate her 50th birthday with $5 a month, you can go to our website, voicesamplified.net and click on the give now button, or you can scroll to the footer on our website and click on the fractured Atlas button. And once you get to fractured Atlas, select monthly giving and sign up. It's that easy. You will get a shout out on our social media on one of our podcast episodes, and you will be listed on our website as a way for us to celebrate you. As always, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy our explicit girl talk. 
<laughs> Welcome and thanks for listening. This is Voices Amped. I'm Ellie Clark. And I'm Vanessa Becker-Weig, and we are your hosts. Joining us on the show today are a bevy of badass women hand-chosen by our birthday girl, Vanessa Becker-Weig. <laughs> Vanessa, do you want to introduce us to these women you've hand-selected for today's podcast? I would be thrilled to. It would be my honor. These women have inspired me throughout my adult life. I share them uh, with all of you, our listeners, as a celebration of my milestone birthday. First, <laughs> the Voices Amplified leadership team, Ellie, Jenny, and Margaret. These women have uh, been so present for me. They are the ladies who have been instrumental in the creation of Voices Amplified, and they have been my community since moving to Kentucky. But new to the Voices Amped podcast are my oldest sister from another mister. <laughs> Not necessarily oldest friend, but the friend who I have known the longest Abby Lawson. Abby is a fierce mother of four children, wife to Jason, an actor and a singer, a theater technician who just before turning 50 a few months ago decided to get her nursing degree. Wow. I met my (laughs) senior year of high school. Abby is my touchstone, my homegirl, and my biggest advocate, Abby Lawson. The godmother of one of my children and New York City tour guide, the zany (laughs) Carmen Keels. (laughs) Carmen is a music educator, actor, singer, and lady baker. Carmen was in the hit Broadway show (laughs) in my life. Was it a hit? Jonathan it, it. So that's really, that's really special to me and my child and an international tour of Porgy and Bess before becoming the wife of Michael and mother of two equally zany kids. Carmen and I have been friends for, I think, I, I think it's uh, 21 years, question mark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We met while doing the musical Pippin. She and I have both moved a lot, but have still been able to maintain a connection and friendship. She makes me laugh a lot with her down-to-earth wit and realness, Carmen Keel. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was super pumped when Vanessa mentioned doing a birthday podcast up front. Um, she's like, you know, Ellie, I have a big birthday coming up. I was like, really? <laughs> really? Is it a milestone? But talking about aging is such a vulnerable and challenging thing for people, I think particularly for women. Um, So Vanessa, why was it important to make this podcast when you cringe or whimper a little bit when you talk about this? You've been talking about this milestone birthday for a couple of months, probably because this podcast was happening and you're like milestone birthday. (laughs) You make it sound so very dramatic. Um, why did you want to do this? I wanted to do it because I really am 
I, I have kind of dreaded turning 50. That's weird to even say those words because, you know, when you think about, I saw somebody posted a meme the other day, all of my high school friends are all turning 50, right, Abby? Everybody's turning 50. So I saw one of them post a meme the other day and it was what, what you thought of as 50 when you were a kid versus what 50 is now. And 50 when I was a kid was a golden girl. Like <laughs> Rue McClanahan was 50, <laughs> right? And now 50 is J-Lo. So yeah, one, right. I've got in my head, I'm 50. So I'm Rue McClanahan. And then <laughs> I also have in my mind, well, I'm turning 50. I need to get my ass in gear and look like J-Lo, right? So that's, it's just been a weird, it's just been a weird time thinking about all of that. And I wanted to do this, number one, because I wanted to celebrate um, the fabulous people that I have in my life and celebrate turning 50, find ways to celebrate turning 50, especially in a pandemic. And this was perfect. And then the other thing is aging is weird and no one talks about it. Like, especially for women, there are things that happen that you're like, what the hell is happening? Nobody talked about this to me. My mom didn't talk about it to me. Nobody talked about it to her. So we don't talk about these things. So I feel like it's important for us to talk about it. And who better to talk about it than with your best friends? Like what well, that's the best people to talk about it with. So yes. Yeah, so say it again for the people in the back. What birthday is this, Vanessa? 50. <laughs> I just need to embrace the fact that I'm turning 50 and I feel better at 50 than I did when I was turning 49. So, so let's just start with the youngest and go around and say our ages. 32. That's Jenny. <laughs> uh, Margaret and I'm 36. Well, I'm Ellie. I'm 42. Um, I'm Carmen and I'm, I'm 43. For a minute, I wasn't sure. I thought it was 44, but I'm definitely 43. Yeah. I Final answer. <laughs> yeah. I'm Abby and I am 50. Claim it. Fabulous. Claim it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to me, Vanessa and all of us, I guess, I, I mean, your energy and your vivacity, I would never stop to consider your age. It doesn't cross my mind when you, Jenny, Margaret, me, we're in a room. I'm not, you know, working on Voices Amplified. I'm not, I never think of any of us as different ages. Do you all feel that way? Do you have a lot of girlfriends that are younger or older that like age isn't even a, or do we seem like children to you? Like, do we seem like... I, I always wonder with my friends who are 10, 15 years older, who I think, oh, we're, we're the same age. I wouldn't even consider. They're like, well, you wouldn't because you're younger. How do you all, how do you all feel about that with your friends? I'll say that, um, you know, especially with going back, being in nursing school. So I have this peer group. Um, one just turned 23 on um, Thursday. One is 23, one is 32, and one is... 37, but they have become like my sisters, right? My kids are the same age as, and I have one that's even older um, as two of them, but I really don't, they're literally, they're just my peers. And, and I will say that that's probably a newer thing for me because um, I have been stuck in mom mode. Uh, I was a stay-at-home mom. So I, I was stuck in mom mode and, um, until 
a, just this last year. And so maybe I didn't look at it that way, but I turned 50 in December and it's fabulous. And I do like, like finesse, I'm constantly saying 50, I'm, I'm 50. It's, uh, when did I get to be 50? Um, but I love saying it. I, I really do love saying it because um, I'm just hanging with my homies over here, you know, who are the same age as my kids, but they are, they've really become my homies and they've taught me a lot. And I really, I, I love that. Well, so Abby, I can, I totally can relate. I just went back to school myself. And so, but it's this weird, broad range of like, there are people who just finished undergrad and they're 23, 24. And then there are people that are closer to my age. I'm, I tend to be on the older end, but, um, <clears throat> but you're right. It, it sort of feels like we're, we're all in the boat together. Um, I think it's, there are a few friends that I have who are like the age of my younger brother. So we're like six years apart and every so often things happen where I'm just like, really, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's even like a weird thing, like music or just sort of, um, you know, the millennial versus gen, gen X kind of thing. Um, but, but I, I've noticed that a little bit lately, just with like parent friends, um, for the most part, we're all in kind of the same age range, but I have a few friends where I'm just like, um, well, so let me help you think about this, you know? And I feel like I'm there, there's a moment where I feel like I'm, I'm not necessarily, like I'm the older person and I have to like be the grown up. I would say I, I, I love being around all different ages. Um, so it doesn't really, it doesn't bother me or I, or I don't really think about it except maybe, uh, in regards to my kids, because Abby, you are the only one of my, my close circle of friends who had kids like before me, because I was the one that had the kids first. Like, I mean, most of my friends either don't have kids or, I mean, even Carmen, I mean, you, you, she, you know, she's younger than me, but still had kids, you know, when my kids were teenagers. So for me, that's been only the weird measure because a lot of my kids' parents were are a lot older than me. So I, I didn't always make connections with, with my kids' parents, make friends with them. You know, really the only person who was kind of on that same track in, in my circle is, is Abby. So um, that's really the only time, but most of the time I really, I take value from everybody's age. I love to, to know the opinions of the millennials. J Margaret, you're a millennial too, aren't you? Are you a millennial? I'm, a, I'm what is called an elder millennial. I am at the <laughs> beginning of the uh, elder I, I, millennial. There's a comedian. I'm not remembering her name. Eliza something Schlesinger. or other. Schlesinger. Thank you, Jenny. Uh, elder millennial is her comedy special. And I thought that was this perfect. That, that is exactly my demographic. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so I really treasure, you know, and I, 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 I like to know the opinions and what, uh, what Gen Z is thinking. Obviously I do because the, I'm around them all the time, but, um, 
so yeah, I don't think it's ever been something that's bothered me. And I do tend to be the motherly one, but I think I've been the motherly one since I was in high school. So Jenny, how does it feel for you being the baby? Margaret, how does it feel for you? I mean, Margaret and I aren't too far, six years, five years. So it doesn't feel, I don't feel like Jenny, you're far apart, but maybe you and Vanessa being closer to 18 years apart, you do feel that way. It's 17 years. I counted. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> your mom, this is fun. No, this is fun for me because your mom, Ellie is 17 years older than me. Oh, fascinating. Jenny, yeah. I am 17 years older than Jenny. I calculated this at some point when we were all working together because yeah. that's the way my mind thinks. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I think for me, like, uh, this is when honestly being an only child has worked super in my favor is because my parents put me around everybody, um, starting from when I was itty bitty. And so, you know, and they were not shy about, you're going to talk to this person. Doesn't matter if you're three or four years old, you are going to talk to them and like, and you be expected to hold a con not not hold a super in-depth conversation. I mean, you're three, but, um, you know, but to go up and to introduce myself and to kind of remove that like pressure, I guess, when I encounter, um, I, I'm to the point now where when I encounter, I'm seeing someone treating me differently because I am younger than them, you know, or because like they expect me to behave a certain way towards them because I'm younger. That is actually weirder to me than just being myself and approaching someone exactly where I am and meeting them exactly how they are um, with where I am now. And I think like with you know, working with Vanessa for a number of years, um, you know, sometimes that age difference did come out, but I think it was in the, the really great way of how women's friendships can be so fluid with one another. Like one minute we are colleagues and then being able to shift pretty naturally into a understandably mentoring capacity where, mm -hmm. you know, you're 32 there are things you have not like experienced yet or done that Vanessa, just for the sake of like career and having been alive longer than you, that she has a perspective on this that you just don't. Um, so to me, I think it's a blend of like, this is my background and this was my exposure to it, but also, uh, you know, being able to slip into those roles in and out really naturally and not have an ego about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I 100% agree with, I think that's one of the amazing elements of long-term and multifaceted women's friendships is the ability to be lots of different kinds of things to each other as we, and, and also to not get hung up on like hierarchy of whatever, like whoever, whoever's career is more prestigious or, you know, what, like we can all be in position of teacher and learner because we're all trying to like build each other up. And, and I, I feel like that's the case when we're working with a lot of like with the girl project and other youth kinds of programs, it is, you know, you're in the teacher role, but you're also, you know, they have a lot to teach 
you and you're all in the project of building each other up. But something that else I've been really thinking about a lot is, you know, how much, uh, especially in my current learning environment where I'm, I'm going through kind of a formation process to become ordained as a deacon. I mean, so many of the people I'm hanging out with in, in the Episcopal church. Um, and so Episcopal church, right. And, um, so it's, it's a lot of folks in their seventies and eighties and some of whom are peers and ways because of shared experiences and ways that are the the threads of our lives stories have woven in similar ways maybe at the, not at the same time but I'm thinking of someone in particular Janelle Janelle Staley shout out to you uh, maybe we'll get you on the podcast at one point uh, you know she's been an English professor for you know 30 plus years here was at uh, Lafayette and all of that just to be able to connect with someone who is you know in her 80s who I think about and talk to as if we we're like BFFs as high schoolers, you know, because we have so many similarities in where we're at right now. I, I don't know. I'm just really valuing that intergenerational adaptability and flexibility. If you can just be open and like Jenny said, not be like ego about it. And because we all have so much to learn from each other, right? Especially as we're navigating all these generational currents, you know, and how different it is to be Gen Z versus millennial versus, you know, it is such a, we are in a transformative time of accelerated, like generational psychology change. And we, we got to lean on each other to figure out what the hell's going on, you know? So this is, Abby, I don't know if I have to say that when I, when I speak, but um, it's so <laughs> funny listening to you say that, Margaret, because, you know, I was going over the little questions that were sent out and a couple of things you said exactly um, the, the, one of the questions was greatest piece of advice ever given that I've ever gotten. Can I skip? Can I jump to that? Yes, please. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, was learn to lean. Um, and the, the, the big thing about that is as women, I think oftentimes um, there's, well, for me growing up, it was, it was often like, you know, if you're leaning on someone, you're, you're being weak or you're, you're uh, you know, you, there are certain things you should be able to be able to shoulder on your own. But as women, I really feel like that's such amazing advice because we absolutely have to lean on one another, right? For so many things and aspects, um, just going up. The times I've leaned on Vanessa, you know, from high school and up, I can I can tell you are just just astronomical. Um, and another thing that you said, the exact words, well, I'm just jumping to it, was the superpower. Now this took me a lot of thought, but adaptation, I would say, is my superpower. And it's because throughout my life, it, it just feels like if you cannot adapt, you're in big trouble. And yeah. I feel like as women, um, especially, um, I, I think of my husband and he can just let stuff roll off and I'll just be stuck in it, you know, or whatever. Um, and then when I learn to adapt to whatever it is um, and and I, I start, I feel myself growing and and that kind of thing. So. I do want to move this into, and I think we have an interesting group here because Margaret's 36 um, and she is Dr. Margaret McGladry with a PhD. Yeah. Um, I, so she went through this um, educational process at a young age. So she was young in school, probably. I went back to school like at 35 or 36 to get my master's. Um, I know Abby's just gone back to school. I know Carmen's in school. Um, I'm interested in talking about ageism and not just 
old age, right? But being young in a program as well, being women of color, being a white woman, being young, being old, whatever, whatever that experience is, I'm interested in hearing what it's been like. I can start uh, talking and thinking about this a little bit um, because I feel like uh, going to grad school is so, it depends so much on your discipline and what the culture of the discipline is, right? So um, I was the old lady in my master's program because I had worked for three years after undergrad before going straight on to school because everybody else in the master's program rolled straight on through. Um, so I, I was the only one who was married. I was like, you know, a good five, six years older. And I, that's when I felt like totally the, you know, condescending, like, oh, you, you young people, you, you never had a mortgage, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I was, I was definitely, it was a weird uh, kind of a, the, the culture coming into that master's program. So, you know, I felt like uh, in, in that sense, a certain amount of, um, but mostly my experience in academia has been of feeling like, the fact that I read as young, especially as younger than a lot of the folks who are in positions of leadership. I mean, I work in administration, like I do research administration. So I'm in, you know, meetings with all of these, you know, associate deans for research and these high powered professors and, and folks who, you know, take themselves pretty seriously for mostly for good reason. And, uh, and it's important to be seen as someone who is he, whose name you register on the attendee list of a meeting, you know, as opposed to being assumed to be the, the administrative assistant. So um, the, I think that's so much of, of this in academia is, um, is, is also kind of a condescension from um, senior women in senior administrative positions is not necessarily to be in a position of opening doors, although I've, I've experienced some great exceptions, but uh, a lot of my experience has been like, I suffered in this way, so you're going to suffer also. That's part of toughening you up for what this this business is, and I, I just reject that in any profession, right? That we have to, we can't make things better for the next group of people coming up, especially in as environments as a toxic as, you know, research administration uh, can, can be with all the money and power in, the, in those spaces. I have a weird relationship with school. I didn't think that I was ever going to go back to school because I don't like school, nor do I do it very well. And I think that like the years of like teaching experience and stuff that I've had up to this point has helped me like, oh, the education classes, that kind of thing. I mean, it, but, but I have a very checkered educational past. I went to five different schools for undergrad and I didn't, I, st I went to college in 1995, but I didn't graduate with my bachelor's with, with my BS degree until 2010. So <clears throat> there were some times when I was at some schools that I was very much older than because they always really liked having me start over again as a freshman. So I was a freshman a lot, at least three times. Well, the first time I was a freshman, it's very possible that, um, you know, being the only black person in my class of 21, you know, as a freshman musical theater major at a fancy conservatory. Um, I think that I didn't, I didn't know it at the time, but I know it now that I was, I kind of was doomed from the start mm -hmm. in that situation. Um, 
And, and that's unfortunate. I think that there are things in, in those kinds of programs that are changing for the brown people. Um, I just wish they'd changed like when I was there. I mean, that's kind of another topic. That's like, well, I actually would love I, I, to sidetrack on that topic just a little bit, Carmen, because um, I think it's a really relevant topic right now um, mm-hmm. that that people are being, you know, that that organizations are being called out on. And, and I think it's important. But, you know, I know you talked with me a lot about, you know, people just making assumptions that, you know, they look at you and they're like, oh, well, she can sing, you know, all of these poppy, you know, and you're like, no, I want to sing Christine Daae. Like, <laughs> yeah. So old for that now. <laughs> well, so do you want yeah. to talk a little bit to that? You know, it's not legal for someone behind the audition table to say, oh, well, can't you just like, what are you? Like, what are, like, what are you? It, that's not, they're not allowed to do that. They do it a lot though. I mean, maybe not now because they'd really, really get fired, but um, maybe. I, I, I've been in a, you know, a sits probe for Broadway and had the director, well, look at you. You should be able to sing that riff. I mean, look at you. And thank God the music director was like, uh, listen, crazy Joe Brooks. <laughs> You hired her to be an opera singer. Like, and at that point, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I could have done that. But it's not like, but that wasn't the point in the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. I just sort of moved for the, through the world, kind of expecting it, mm-hmm. and sort of feeling thankful that now as an adult, like not 20-something person who has children who... I don't know, I guess my kids mostly, they, they look mostly white, but they don't identify that way. And um, and our friend group here is so multi-ethnic that that makes me feel like I'm, that that's okay. Like, I'm okay. We're okay. Everything's okay. We're all fine. Everything's fine. We're going to be fine. But, I mean, that helps, like, and it feels so different when I go to say Ohio and I'm in Columbus or Cleveland with our families and it's not, unless we're in our insular, like my family group or maybe our one group of friends or one family that we're friends with in, in Cleveland, like we're the odd ones out wherever we go. And I, you know, one of the things that I'm thankful for about living in New York and the neighborhood that we live in is that we're not, we're not. And this is very comforting, mm-hmm. very comforting. I didn't finish my, my BSN. So, um, and like Carmen, I have been in a lot of programs and um, started and um, at one point would have been a junior status because I I went to college you know in 1989 and um so that's you know but I I didn't finish and for over the years because of health or or family uh money wh- what have you uh, I did I never finished and there was a time that I just thought that I never I never would 
Um, so going back to school now, I, I'm in a very different place. Last year, oh, my life changed so much. So I, I uh, and when I say that, it's almost, it's just almost unbelievable. I had bariatric surgery. So um, I lost a hundred pounds um, over the last year, just celebrated my one year anniversary for my surgery date. And, um, but it's just, it's not just the weight, you know, uh, it, it, it's the health um, aspects of it too that changed my life. In that, um, I started to see other changes as well in energy and attitude and perspective. When my youngest went to college and she is a sophomore um, in college now, I, I, I entered a, you know, a time of depression and thought, what is my life? You know, right? Because I just identified so much as being a wife and a mother. So going back to school now, and, you know, I talked about my little homies at school, um, they, they just teach me so much. And they don't just teach me about school. God knows I need them for the technology. Are you kidding me right now? Uh, you know, because we had typewriters when I went to college. Um, and so trying to do anything on computer and, and I don't, I didn't, I was a stay at home mom. So I don't, I'm not accustomed to working on computers at all. I didn't even have a laptop until I went to nursing school in October, mm. you know? So, um, they teach me a lot every day, um, about those kinds of things, but they also teach me, teach me a lot about how they look at the world and it has changed. It has, it has changed the way I relate to my own children, um, I don't relate to, to my peers as children, but it does allow me to get a different perspective on how my children are seeing the world, right? Because they're the same age. And it has given me a broader perspective and appreciation for where they are, they being my kids are at in their lives. Um, and I just, I appreciate that so much. I love that. Um, and it's, it's been a beautiful thing. Um, my children, as far as, um, now I will say the nursing program that I am in, it is a, an accelerated program. So because I had so many college credits, um, I was able to test out of what they have is the LPN program and go straight into the RN program. Um, and so I am in that, it is very diverse a program. Um, racially and also with gender. Uh, so that feels really good. Hmm. Um, I will say that, so I'm adopted and um, my family, I grew up with white hippies, if I can say that, um, yeah. but absolute hippies. I mean, we lived in a circus tent, I kid you not. So- um, In Kentucky, right? In, in, in Kentucky. Kentucky. <laughs> in Kentucky. I love it. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> um, and- I really struggled most of my life with being biracial and what that means. Um, and then when I moved to Ohio, I, I had more issues, you know, with, with the black community than I did with any other. And so that's, that is an unfortunate thing. Um, but fast forwarding to today and the and the times that we're living in now, um, and what I appreciate about how I'm starting to you know perceive my my kids because I'm all I'm I've always been that odd person in my family my family being my husband and my children because they all my husband is black they all identify as black as, as they should 
well, one of them is a little off on a limb right now, but we, we won't talk about him right now, but um, he's not sure how he identifies. It's fine. Um, but, you know, everyone's journey is their own. So that's one thing uh, that, that I'm learning. And I'm, I'm learning to, to see things through their eyes more, um, which is really good because my, my perception has been a little skewed as um, a minority. Um, and my husband is in a job. Um, he is the vice president of human resources. And, and he's also on this national committee for diversity in human resources. And so diversity is um, constant in our household. Um, constant, we're constantly talking about it. And, um, but as it relates to me and ageism, I will say that I'm just at my age learning so much about um, what it what diversity means and how it affects us. And and you know, it's a little embarrassing to say. You know, at fifty, I'm it's it really making a huge impact on me. Not that it hasn't. I mean, I grew up in Kentucky, okay, with but um, um, with hippies, um, but. I just, I'm starting to see it in a different light and everything. And I'm, I'm thrilled that at, at my age, I can still um, be learning and growing in that way. I love that so much to, to see that happening for you, Abby, from, from being someone who's, who, you know, has been your friend for a long time. <laughs> um and seeing that growth happening. I mean, we all grow, but just knowing that, you know, it was like, here you are at 50 and you're, you're having, I mean, you really have inspired me in a lot of ways. I've, you know, when all of this pandemic craziness started and, and, you know, you came to visit back in July, you, you really inspired me just because I was watching this major metamorphosis happening. And I wanted to make sure that I told you that because you have always been so generous with compliments with me and how I inspire you, but I, I need you to know how much you inspire me seeing this transformation happen and not, and I'm not talking physical. I mean, the physical is great because I know that health has always just been such an issue and I've helped you through that your, your whole adult life, but there's that of course, but then there's just this mental transition that has, it's just so joyful to watch. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're it's, welcome. It is like being a different person. And, um, you know, I was so excited about this ageism and 50s fabulous, Vanessa. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, the thing about it is, is just that you get, uh, or at least for me, I got into a rut thinking this is how life is going to be, right? Mm -hmm. This is um, how it plays out. This absolutely not. Absolutely. And, and I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that exactly one year ago today, my surgery was on February 10th. So say we're on February 20th, 2020. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about going to nursing school. I was like, okay, did I have this surgery? Is it going to happen? How's it? I couldn't have envisioned the person that I am now, um, even just exactly one year ago today and it's it's just exciting because i have learned and i'm still learning um that uh oh there's so much life to be had right and there's so much to do and there's so many ways in which we can 
change ourselves and not just ourselves, but our, our, our whole um, orb around us and our community and, and what else is there out there for us to contribute. Um, yeah. Vanessa, you mentioned earlier that lots of things are happening um, and nobody told you about them. Would those happen to be the dreaded M word things? <laughs> okay, that's worse than the F word 50. Okay. <gasps> Menopause. Menopause. Oh, 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 I was like, what's the M word? The M word. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, no one <laughs> talks to you about these horrible things that change and, and the, the horrible going from one month to like gushing and having to change 15 times in any given day because you're just gushing to then the next month of thinking, oh my God, there's no way I could be pregnant. There's no way I could be pregnant. No, too old to be pregnant. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, are you? Not actually, not actually. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, yeah. Abby, but I'm sorry. Uh, so, and then- but, I mean, I really didn't know anything about it. I also didn't know, like, I, I still, I know that, you know, Abby and Carmen, we've talked about this some, just the, the whole perimenopause idea. Like, apparently I've been in that for 10 freaking years and I didn't know what was going on. I had no idea. And all the changes that start happening with just weird stuff, like stomach stuff. And I know Carmen talk, talk, you're like your voice and all of these different things. I haven't really been having hot flashes, but I've definitely had like, just, you know, my sleep is funky, just all of these weird things. Um, and how, I mean, how I've been battling it is exercise and diet. And I just wish that I would have been doing that more during perimenopause. So all of you who haven't gone into your perimenopause yet. Tell us, Perry, what is what does that mean? Oh, it's it is. for listeners who oh. don't know what it means. Carmen, you're probably in the middle of it. So why don't you talk about it? <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'll just say the last couple of doctor's appointments, <clears throat> my doctor, who's sort of like Glinda the Good Witch of Lady Parts, she's very tall and she has this glamorous hair, but she's like 60 and or maybe I don't know anyway she was like well my darling it's just going to be this way for a while and eventually everything will be better again so sometimes I have hot flashes but they're not hot. they're not like what they talk about on tv necessarily like we're all this like there I think it's different for everybody but sometimes I just I just can't like I'm just I'm just really hot I can't there's I'm not like hot like I don't have a fever just hot everywhere but it's not a regular thing like when you're in perimenopause it it can last 10 years 15 years a long time and um there are some this gushing thing. Um, I keep extra underwear in my desk and my office. Uh, I um, some my iron gets so low that I'm just sort of angry all the time. Mm. 
I have two videos. I, I have this crazy YouTube channel that for my students and I have two videos that I feel like I need to redo because I look so pale. I didn't realize that it was because my eye, like at the time, then I like went to the doctor soon after these things were made. I realized that my iron was so low. I was just like, I was, I'm just like completely washed out. Like I'm not a pale person. Mm-hmm. And um, so I have to, you know, take iron. My hair does weird things. It's very thin. I've never had thick hair anyway. So I grew it out so that I don't just look bald. Um, you know, nails, skin, but the, the weirdest thing is that I really identify with seven, uh, seventh grade girls right now, uh, because my voice is changing. Uh. <laughs> so, so my experience is different, right? Because I had to have a hysterectomy and then a double oophorectomy when I was 33, so that put me into immediate menopause. So I've been in menopause for 17 years. Now I am on my way out, praise the Lord. Um, but I will tell you that some voice changes, absolutely. Nails, hair, absolutely. Hot flashes, it feels like an internal flame. Um, and you, those are things I feel like we hear about, right? We about all talk- skin? Itchy oh yes. Skin? Okay. Oh, because be, because your, the moisture in your skin, right, changes. Um, and one, you know, those are some of the things that you do hear about with menopause. Some things you don't hear about are um, vaginal dryness. Okay, oh, your yeah. sex drive, right? Um, and you're tired or you're low. Well, you know, and that's that is it, right? Because well, first of all, who wants to have sex with a dry vagina? Not me. Not me. <laughs> Number one. Okay. And no. my husband doesn't want that either. Thank you. Um, and also, but, but, but it is a big deal, right? Because we go through things in our lives that may, that changes our libido. And then to have the hormones also coming into play and affecting that mentally, we may not, you know, we, we, we would love to be there some days, <laughs> not every day, but, um, some days you, you want to be there and physically you can't, you're tired. Your iron is low. You, you, um, have a dry vagina. There's just, there's just a lot going on, right. That plays into that. And, um, it takes some adjustment. And then on top of that, spending years that way, you know, it, 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 it affects us. And I think those are pieces that, that we don't talk about as women, um, we don't talk about um, how it affects those things and then how it affects our relationships. Um, we talk about moods, right? But the mood swings, and I'm a, I, I, it does, I mean, I'm a mood swinger. So, um, but when you admit, well, I've become crazy. I'm crazy. I'm a crazy person. And I mean, I think we both had those tendencies prior to. Yeah, I mean, that's not menopause. Yeah, (laughs) right. That's not, but you add menopause on top of it, Mm, right? And then you find yourself saying things to your spouse or your children that you might not. Um, And yeah, I'm curious, like, okay, so I have noticed definitely um, some moodiness. Like I'm, I'm really truly dialing in on the moodiness, especially of course, being directed at my poor unassuming husband <laughs> but yeah, and I, but I will stop. what 
We have very nice husbands. We do have very nice husbands. And I'll just be like, Eric, I like something will just come out of me or a look. You know, I think you all know that I can really shoot a look. Um, and a look will come across and I'll just say, I'll stop and I'll go, okay, I am, I'm really sorry. That is, I need you to know that that's just, it's, I can't control it right now. Um, I'm just really having a difficult time and I've really, I've gotten really good at acknowledging it. I think I'm, I'm better now at kind of acknowledging it and realizing, oh, wait a second. That's what this is. Let me understand this. The iron thing that you all are talking about, like I thought all kinds of crazy stuff was going on until I was, so they put, put me on iron supplements. But, um, one of the things that I'm curious about Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's. Um, I don't so, want to have it ever. You don't want what? You don't want to have it ever? No, not really. No. Really? Yeah. It hasn't. Is that new? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just wondering. Okay. <laughs> Are you asking based on like the start history or? No. I, yeah, it's just kind of new. I mean, I do because I, you know, I do it for the, I, for the good of the team. I have, have not been experiencing that as much um, just because I'm in a very um, loving relationship. So that part has not suffered a whole lot yet. Um, so I feel fortunate now, all the tired and the iron and the this and the that, like if, that, if, I, if that's going on, just don't even try you know? Um, but I still, I haven't really lost that yet. Yet. I just wonder how you know the difference. I mean, obviously dry vagina is hard for anybody, but I, I, you know, what is, what is the difference between a, like, uh, probably none of us have had a first kiss in a very long time, unless it was on stage and it was, you know, none, you know, you're, you have the same partner for 12, 25, 30, 40 years. Like what's the ebb and flow of sex anyway. And then you add in this really complicated, um, this really complicated change that's happening for women that nobody wants to talk about. Right. Yeah. So how does that affect sex too? Like even Jenny and Margaret, like, okay. And I, I haven't, I don't think I'm started menopause. My mom's been warning me. I started at 40. It came for me at 40. It can't, I'm like, mom, I, I appreciate it, but I, I don't have any of that yet. Knock on wood. Um, but we, you know, still the sex conversation and the ebb and flow of relationships once they're in, you know, advanced stages, <laughs> sex is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. to, not, not to stop Martin to step on what Jenny and Margaret have to say, but I think that um, it, it, it gets better. The more you get to know someone and the more I, I've been married for 27 years, the more you get to know someone and um, they get to know you. Um, I feel like for, for me, the intimacy just, it gets better. Mm. Um, it's not to say I want to do it all the time, but um um, and, but it is, I don't think it's about menopause life ebbs and flows. Right. And so, um, so does it do our sex lives and whatever's happening within our lives. But I think that intimacy is about getting to know someone and the more, you know, them, the better it gets. Do 
do any of you, I mean, do you have, do you struggle at all for yourself with like, is your self-esteem? I, cause I feel like if, if that isn't working as much in a relationship, it's a cycle for me. So it's like, if, if that's not really happening, it kind of, it, it has an effect on my self-esteem and, and definitely his. And then that only makes me not want to be intimate because my self-esteem is low. So then you continue on. It's just this constant cycle. So part of, for me, why it's an, it's become a thing that is an important that I try to embrace is it really is such a vicious cycle with my self-esteem if, if that is not something that, um, if that connection isn't happening, (laughs) not to say that it's like happening all the time, but I mean, trying to make it fairly regular and somewhat consistent, um, just helps both of us, I think, feel closer and also feel better about ourselves. Yeah. Like, it's not this thing of like, I mean, you never want it to be this thing of like synchronized watches. Are we ready? Let's go. You know, like, (laughs) oh God. But I think that, you know, with relationships, like the ebb and flow of it, you, there kind of comes a point where you recognize of like, Hey, we, we need to like, go ahead and break this cycle. Like this, you know, ebb that we've been experiencing like, let's start with movie cuddle. Like what, uh, what are the other ways in which like our physical intimacy, like beyond just sex, but like the familiarity of like, you know, holding each other, being in contact with one another, things like that, that like, I think you kind of take for granted that you can easily slip into like almost a roommate mode, you know, and being like, okay, So we need to dial it back because we're at this point where it's not doing either of us any good. And we're in this friction point. Let's find our way back to one another. And no, we don't have to synchronize watches, but let's make sure to prioritize each other in this so that like that connection is there. Mm. Well, Carmen, one thing I wanted to point out with what you you've talked about, I I'm, I've, I've thought about what you were saying sitting here, but because you are in that place too with, you know, two young kids. I mean, because when I was in that place with two young kids, <laughs> I was tired. I mean, yeah. working yeah. a full-time job, taking care of the kids. It's like, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, and, and to be honest, it, it could be more of that, like the, the perimenopausal piece is, is a small part of a greater, like, thing like and I definitely like there there are those moments where we kind of realize oh yeah got to come back to this you know you know we got to fix that like he Michael and I have both had enough therapy to know that and we've been married before like we you know we know from before so um two kids a pandemic and a you know 900 square foot apartment is not really conducive to like (laughs) anything. I mean, that's a whole element. I mean, I am just done. We're fully vaccinated. So we're almost, we're almost ready to just be like, you know what? Just you do some stuff. We're going around the corner to the bar. Like not, I mean, forget about the sex part. Like, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Get away from me. Like from the children. 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear about your fidgets. And I don't want to hear about slime. And I, I already took you to the slime museum. I got a lot of slime in my house. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, want to go and get drunk with your dad. Put yourself to bed. Yeah. But I mean, like, we're not going to do that. We have not been comfortable eating inside. Like, we're, I mean, New York City, like, right now, like, outside is, like, these weird little tents. I mean, it's very, it, everything is just still very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, for three months, we we only left the house for 30 minutes a day. So, um, you know, we left the house to walk the children and the dog. Mm-hmm. We're just in sort of extraordinary times right now. And, you know, we we do have to, you know, do kind of what Jenny said uh, in, a, in a different way than, you know, than we used to maybe. Mm-hmm. Like right now, all of the Facebook memories from last February are popping up. And like we were, we went to the opera, went to all these shows. We had so many tickets to so many things because we decided like, a year ago, we're like, we can, we can do this. We can afford this now. We're going to just make a point to see as many things as we like, as we want to see, there's just so much to do. And one of the things that I, we've always kind of prided ourselves on is we take advantage of the city that we're living in. You know, New York city is an extraordinary place and, you know, we, we want to experience it, but, um, we're just in such a strange time. Margaret, what's it like for you? Well, I mean, something that was occurring to me as everybody was talking um, is, you know, Matt and I have been together for 16 years, married for 14. And, and how young were you when you got married? I was 21 and he's 12. So you were a baby. I was baby, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. But also, you know, always like an 80-year-old trapped in a whatever. I, my name's Margaret, for God's sake. Remember. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, so, and Matt is 12 years older than me as well. Right. So there's lots of interesting generational age things going there, but what occurred to me with what both Jenny and Vanessa, as well as what what Carmen was saying is in terms of these, when you're in a a committed long-term relationship, these different kinds of ebbs and flows, especially if they're based on context, like the pandemic year, you know, you're going to you're in it together and you'll, you know, there will be change because that is, that is the only thing that is certain with any of this is, is I've been reading uh, the book, the parable of the sower by Octavia Butler. And one of the key phrases from the earth seed religion that the protagonist develops is God is change, right? It's kind of her. And and it's very much a pandemic kind of book to a certain extent. So I recommend that to to everybody uh, because it's also thinking about age and what you can uh, seed for the next generation. Um, but, uh, all that being said, you know, like, uh, so you have kind of this long view of your relationship and, and sex in the relationship and what's expected and what's like normal and that you can evolve and change and grow together. And that's probably maybe the coolest thing is like being with someone this long, we have seen each Mm -hmm. other change so much, not just emotionally, spiritually, for sure, but also physically, like physically, we've changed a lot. When we got together, I was still anorexic. You know, I had like no boobs. It was a cup, right? Like, so my body and, and, and I've aged of course, but Matt has also aged. And that's also an interesting thing. Having the body image stuff that Vanessa was talking about. I mean, I haven't, I've dealt with an eating disorder throughout, you know, so I've had my own body image issues, but Matt also has 
he has his right to have body image issues and not feel good about himself as he's gray hair, his body is changing, his hormones are changing. He's in a different place than I am about that. So I can't be all like, you know, I have body, it's triggering for me. No, he has a right to have like the body image issues too. So I think that's a really interesting element with, you know, what we talk about these different kinds of patriarchal body image ideas, but when you're in an actual intimate relationship with someone who is also, we're, we're all dealing with this, these kinds of pressures together and what we expect of each other and, and what, you know, even if, and what, one of the other things we notice and, and observe with each other is it's so, you know, sometimes your own sense of your own body image and how you're feeling about yourself sexually is more important than even that you can't always receive the attraction from your partner, right? And that that can be hard too, is to feel like I should be able to make you feel better about yourself, you know? Like I can help you transcend all this, the hormonal crap, whatever whatever you're dealing with with your body that I, it's somehow my responsibility as your partner to like get you going or whatever, you know? Um, so I think it's just so, in a long-term relationship, it's just really complex and there's a lot of ways that we change together and our expectations of sex change together too, you know, and, and I, I just feel like pandemic in particular has made the long-term nature of all of this. Like we were going to see everything together out of each other's bodies, out of each other's like, you know, heads, hearts, like this is, that's what this is about and this kind of intimacy. And I, and I think we've, we've all really in different ways had to, to dig into that. So yeah. I would love for each of you just at the, the age that you're at, um, any advice you want to give to our listeners about claiming your space, claiming who you are, whether it be age, you know, being a woman being a, a, a professional, any advice you can give about claiming your space? Okay. Can I, I'll go first. I, I have some thoughts about this. So, um, when I was younger, I, I, and I still find this a issue of mine, but I think it's important to not apologize for yourself. Like not to say sorry. Um, and, and I think that helps claim like your space and who you are. Also after my divorce, my grandmother told me that it was very important to have a team of boyfriends. She didn't get specific. She just said it's important to have a team because you use them for different things. So 20 somethings out there, just take that with, you know, whatever. If you like girls, a team of girlfriends. She was in her nineties when she gave me that advice. So I, but I think it's important. So yeah, and do not apologize. Julia Child dropped a chicken on the floor on television, picked it up, and served it anyway. So <laughs> no apologies. I'm going to love that. I love that. Um, I love then don't apologize. It's something that I struggle with all the time. So thank you for that. Also, I'm going to say seek fulfillment. And listen no matter what age you are. So this is something I'm really learning to do and it's, it's transporting my life. I'm also um, working on that with my children and you know they are not going in the directions that I had written out for them to go, right? But um, 
my biggest, my biggest hope and desire for them when they were born was happiness and fulfillment. And I'm learning that it does, your fulfillment is not how I see it because it's yours. And so, um, however that looks for you, um, own that individually and find the ways that you, um, can make that happen because to me, that's how you measure success going off on one of the little questions you sent is, is fulfillment. And, um, we find it in various ways and, uh, we have to find it as individuals. I'm going to add on to Abby's of, um, yeah, just, it's essential to take that time for yourself that, you know, that time of your twenties, your formative years and things like that. It is so important to be selfish with those, um, you know, the, the things that our society kind of teaches you to, to value or that you need to have in order to be considered successful. Those are often the things that don't matter because it deprioritizes what you want and what the vision that you have for yourself. And I think those years are so crucial for being with yourself so that you know what you want, who you are and what you're about. And going for those fearlessly. Yeah. I think that's kind of uh, what I'm hearing is this kind of idea of sovereignty and that you as an agent of your own life get to write the the script, right? It doesn't have to follow the beats that are expected. So I would definitely, I think that's helpful advice to think about is that you get to write, you really do get to write what your timing of things, there is no right time. You're not behind like that. I had that sense so strongly in my twenties in particular, if I don't do this by this age, then, then what, then what, you know? Um, so for, for me, it's that, and I, I guess the, what I've been thinking about lately, and I probably talked about this already on our earlier conversation is that nothing that you'll ever do is more important or worthy than who you just are. We, you don't have to do and produce to be worthy of time and space and attention. Just being and showing up and presence is, it's, it's not just enough, it's everything. I needed to hear that, Margaret. Thank you. <laughs> I totally needed to hear that. And the, the being present part of it and not, I I've spent much of my life worrying about what happens next, what happens next, what happens next. And I feel like just now am I starting to really learn how to be present and not, and, and embrace where I'm at right now. And especially right now, I really don't have any choice, but to embrace that I I'm turning 50. Yeah. And I think it's really important to not, well, I mean, I, I still, am trying to embrace and find mindfulness and meditation, but um, letting other people determine your value is the most awful um, thing. Like, am I less valuable because I'm an artist? Am I less valuable because I don't have a master's degree? Am I less valuable because um, it just... I love the idea of letting yourself fail and how much smarter and more valuable you are if you know what it's like to face failure. It actually makes you better, smarter, more compelling, more beautiful, more thoughtful towards others, more empathetic. Like 
failure and challenges and finding value in yourself and learning to value yourself is such a challenging journey, I think. Um, maybe maybe less for some than others, but pick up the habit of mindfulness and look in the mirror every day. And the words you say to yourself are the things you're going to believe. So learn how to speak kindly to yourself and find yourself valuable because people will go away. People won't always be there, but you will always be there. So if you learn to value yourself, you're, you're good to go. Can I just jump on that real quick, Ellie, because the failure thing, the piece of it. So I have an extreme fear of failure mm. and it has dictated, oh, the majority of my life. And so I, I wrote down this question that you guys threw out there about how do you measure failure? And one thing that I am working very diligently to do is to stop with the word failure and look at things that didn't quite go the way I wanted them to, or I needed them to as growth and learning opportunities and not necessarily, for me, failure is a, and not for everyone, but for me, failure feels very um, negative and heavy. Um, and I, I have allowed what other people's version of failure to be laid on me and like to wear it like, wear it like a lead coat. So now I'm trying to be like, okay, just something as little as, I didn't get an A, which an A in nursing school is a 95, which is ridiculous, but whatever. Um, I didn't get an A on that quiz right there, um, but I didn't fail. What I learned was I needed to spend more time um, studying this, or you know, I needed to prioritize. You know, do you know, you know what I'm saying? So I, I um, language I want, and perspective. But yeah, and like what you're saying, like be kind to the words that you're saying to yourself, um, and. It's, I'm still learning how to do that. Um, and I want, I want my, my children and, and, and younger people to know that, um, listen, don't, don't look at it as a failure. This is growth, man. Grab it and know that um, you're going to learn more out of failures or things that don't go your way for sure. Thank you all. Thank you for sharing that with the listeners and me. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, I think we're going to be moving on. Ellie, are we ready? Take it away. Uh, campfire is a moment for our guests to share inspiration with our listeners and us. The campfire represents storytelling in an intimate setting that is unique to the people who are present. In our activism work, we refer to this as the closed container or circling. Um, today, we're going to have Abby and Carmen, who are new to the Voices Amped experience. And, uh, you know, the really only instructions that were given is they could you know, share a piece that um, was inspiring to them or a, a, a gift to uh, of advice to me or whatever that is. Um, so I know that Abby is going to be sharing a poem today um, and it's on some personal experiences. So Abby, we're ready for you whenever you are. Okay, so I would like to say that um, the girl project has always inspired me. Now I am not a poet, folks, so I want to just put that out there. It's just a little uh, thing about my life and that's it. So here we go. It's called Someday. Each of us has a tale, a snapshot of who we are 
a short little synopsis that tells those around us where we've been and what's happened so far. My life is an interesting story filled with suffering and glory. And though things haunt me today, which I often find hard to say, I've learned to rely on tomorrow. Those whom he tasked to protect me chose to ignore their role. I was a confused little girl who in my heart had a hole and I went through childhood very afraid. I would sit all alone and cry, sadly wondering why she chose to give birth without measuring my worth, perhaps wishing that I would just die. I was given to people who wanted to help, just not specifically me. All my siblings had use and didn't suffer abuse, our lives as vast as the sea. Abuse shapes one's foundation when suffered at an early age. I'd love to escape the scars it created and move on to the healed stage. The teen years were a bit kinder, but I became part of some ugly stats. Pregnancy, ab abortion, or overdose scare. Does it get much worse than that? I'd love to say college was easier, but I didn't make it through. I was broken and struggling and on my own, lost not knowing what I should do. Now here's where the glory comes into my story. A gift from heaven above, God sent me a life altering, perfect, sensational, unbelievable love. Five amazing miracles happened that outlined my purpose in life. God showed me his love, uh, allowing me to become a mother as well as a wife. I hope to get to forgiving, but I still feel in tune by the past. I'd like to move on, pain, shame. I'd like to move on, painful memories all gone. Pain, shame, and sorrow no more holding fast. I'm not sure how my story continues, I'm still getting to know and love me. It seemed easier to hide pain and suffering inside, but by doing that, I will never be free. Positivity counts in undeniable amounts. I know this fact to be true. Though I may laugh and or cry, I want to hold my head high and feel proud standing in my own shoes someday, today. That's it, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> if you're not watching it on uh, the YouTube, if you're watching it on YouTube, you see what messes that, you know, Ellie's the crier. I'm not usually the crier. Really? Crier. Well, I am a crier. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> and I've just been given a little message that Jenny has something to share too. Surprise. <laughs> um, so this is a poem that I read last year during a pretty like challenging and transformative time. And it, um, it means a lot to me. It is called You Learn by Jorge Luis Borges. Um, I'd probably butchered the last name, but that's okay. We're trying, we're growing. Um, so after a while, you learn the subtle difference between holding a hand and chaining a soul. You learn that love doesn't mean leaning and company doesn't mean security. And you begin to learn that kisses aren't contracts and presents aren't promises. And you begin to accept your defeats with your head up and your eyes open with the grace of a woman, not the grief of a child. And you learn to build all your roads on today because tomorrow's ground is too uncertain for plans 
and futures have a way of falling down in mid-flight. After a while, you learn that even sunshine burns if you get too much. So you plant your garden and you decorate your own soul instead of waiting for someone to bring you flowers. And you learn that you really can endure, that you really are strong, and you really do have worth. And you learn and you learn. With every goodbye, you learn. Thank you, Jenny. That was great. I'm going to be like a basket case once we get up here. I'm just going to be crying. Thank you all so much for sharing that with us. Um, All of all of it was lovely. Ellie, do you want to take us home and and get us out of our weepy states? Oh, I'd love to. (laughs) I'm so excited. I need every lady unmuted. Remember, we are going youngest to oldest. Everybody remember your age. I've embraced it. After today, (laughs) I have embraced my age. I am turning 50 in less than two weeks. When this comes out, the day it comes out, I, Vanessa Becker Weig, will be 50. (laughs) Yeah, you will. I feel fabulous. (laughs) Okay, uh, here's our rapid response. What's your favorite sound? A book opening. A cat purr. My nephews Cohen and Torin laughing. When you take bread out of the oven and it sings. My kids laughing. The heartbeat. What's your biggest regret? Being too scared to try. Yeah, that Jenny. Yeah. Letting other people determine my value. Um not speaking up about something when I should have Mm. not being brave not standing in my own truth what's your best feature spider gen spider gen (laughs) (laughs) okay Margaret (laughs) I I think my my eyes there's a lot going on they change colors Mm -hmm. my my eyes legs smile my ankles. Ooh, I love that. You have awesome ankles. You're on vacation on a beach. What drink are you holding in your hand? Margarita. A margarita. It's my name. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we say beach, I guess I have to say margarita too. A beer. Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Chocolate martini. Ooh, I got sick off those ones. Um, somewhere you haven't been that you would love to adventure solo. Solo. Mm-hmm. Scotland. Mm. Vietnam. New Zealand. Spain. Greece. Greece. What about Greece? Greece, yeah. Greece. Damn. <laughs> Is sex better at 25, 35, 45, or 50? Me too, but I'm going to say 35. I know I'm not there yet, but it's better than when it was 20, when I was 25. Yeah. I, I say whatever age I'm at 36 is, uh, it gets better, better the longer you go. You know, I think sex is fun at every age. <laughs> I I really enjoy it. I love it with new people where we're like, what are we doing? I love it with 12 years later with a partner. Yeah. I'd say any age, but I was not having fun with it when I was 25. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I would go with that too. I would say I was at the height of enjoyment at 45. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to have to say a 50 because my children were empty nesters basically. And listen, <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> Last and final question in one word or a few, what's the best thing about aging? Wisdom and um, standing in your truth. Building self-trust. I would say um, collecting people. I just keep collecting great people along the way. Be more comfortable with who I am. Not giving two shits. I'm going to say perspective because it changes. The, and the older you get, the broader it gets. So perspective. I like wow. the collecting people. I like that. That's nice. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of that, thank you. Thank you all people that I have collected over the years. <laughs> <laughs> what a collection you have. I what know. a fine collection. <laughs> collection. Um, and, and you inspire, all of you inspire me in, in so many ways. So thank you for sharing this special birthday podcast with me and, um, and to all of my other uh, peeps out there who I've collected along the years. Thank you for listening. I hope you're listening. It's my birthday. Listen. Happy birthday, Vanessa. We love you. We love you, birthday, birthday girl. Happy birthday. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> And that's a wrap. Thank you listeners and our guest for sharing the space with us. If you don't want to miss our next episode and you'd like to follow our work, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Voices Amped. Voices Amped is part of our arts activism initiative, Voices Amplified. Our team is me, Jenny Benavides, Vanessa Becker-Weig, Ellie Clark, Dr. Margaret McGladry, and our intern and editor, Kennedy Johnson. If you have any questions that you'd like to hear from future guests, or if you ever have questions for us, hit us up on social media or email us on our website, voicesamplified.net. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, you can watch all of our interviews on YouTube if you search and subscribe to Voices Amplified. We'd like to thank Lauren Rourke for our podcast art, Tiffany DuPont Novak for our logo design, and Vanessa Davis for her beautiful underscore, I'm doing okay. You can follow her music at Songwriter Vanessa. We'll see you next time, everyone. Voices Amped is generously sponsored by the Kentucky Foundation for Women. For more information about our guests, podcast content, or if you want to learn more about Voices Amplified, follow our advocacy work or support our 2021 independence campaign. You can visit our website, voicesamplified.net, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. And remember, be curious, be courageous, take up space, and make some noise.